kids. Welcome back to another episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. Today on our show, we're going to go really, really, really deep. Okay, not that kind of deep, you gutter-minded sons of bitches. I mean, we're going to go deep philosophically. We're going to talk about some things that might seem a little crazy. So let me set up the topic by telling you that recently I watched a documentary on, I believe, Hulu called A Glitch in the Matrix. And this documentary is about the idea of what's called simulation theory. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with what simulation theory is, in a nutshell, it's basically saying you are the video game character, you are not the person holding the controller. But wait, Jeff, that sounds fucking crazy. I know. Give me some time. We have an episode. Let me get through it. First, I would like to explain to you basically what simulation theory is from a more definition-based perspective. So... In a nutshell, it is the idea that we're living in a simulation. Like I said, you're the video game character, not the person holding the controller. It would also mean that we're not necessarily in control of our own existence, let alone our own finger quotes, fate. I don't believe in fate. Fate would imply that all things are predefined. I could go off on a rabbit hole right now, but I'm not going to because I will have an episode coming up very soon in the next couple weeks discussing religion versus science, but I want to do a little bit more research on that, so give me a little more time, and I'm going to avoid things that I would discuss in that podcast on this one. However, there are definitely overlaps. So, before I go any further in my discussion about simulation theory, let me air some grievances, get something off my chest that I don't like. This is a problem I have with the English language and stupid rules assigned to the English language, why is there an O in the word theory? Makes no sense. I would understand if there was an A, T-H-E-A-R-Y, then it would be like teary as in teary-eyed, T-E-A-R-Y. You don't spell tear, T-E-O-R. That would be stupid. Guess what? Spelling theory with an O? That's stupid. I'm not sure who was responsible for all of the fucked up stuff that makes up the rules of the English language, but whoever you are, or whoever you all are, you suck. All right, now that I've had my beef with the English language, we can move back to discussing simulation theory. And I know it sounds kookaburra. Jeff, how can I be the video game character? That doesn't make any sense. What does that mean when I'm playing a video game? How can I be a character that's playing another character? You're blowing my mind. Slow down. Take a step back. I know it sounds crazy. I'm not even saying that I ascribe to this idea or that I believe that this is what is happening. But it does fascinate me, and the movie really resonated with me. It really connected with me. And even weirder, the most recent Muse album, and Muse is probably one of my favorite bands of the last 20 years. When it first came out, I wasn't a huge fan, but they also released it in little sips. Like, they pre-release songs. This is what bands do now. But when the full album came out, I kind of gave it a quick listen, and I liked it, but it didn't blow my socks off immediately. And then I I walked away from it and, you know, re-listened to it about, I don't know, six months later. 
and fell in love with this album, beginning to end, everything about it. Then they put out a movie in early 2020 to support the album that was like half movie, half live concert. It was brilliant. And the name of that movie and the name of that album is Simulation Theory. That's very weird. And as you learn more about Simulation Theory, you will find out why that's even weirder. So for all of you who are like, Jeff, you're crazy. I don't really want to listen to anything more about simulation theory because there's no way you can convince me that this is even remotely possible. Okay, let me put this in a way that explains it from a real-life perspective. Social media. Social media is a simulation. If you think that your social media presence on whatever platform or platforms you're using is a 150% accurate representation of you, your personality, your appearance, your day-to-day life, your moods, you are lying to yourself. Social media is absolutely a simulation. Holding the camera way up high and sticking my chin out and it has to be this profile, that's not accurate. That's not how you look when you go into the bank to make a deposit, frazzled in your sweatpants, cashing a check at the bank so that you can make sure that your electric doesn't get turned off today. That's not how people see you. That's not what you show them. That's why social media is, to an extent, a simulation that you have created. And from other people's perspective, that is how they know you. So if the people that, quote unquote, finger quotes, know you, like let's use for example, people that you connected with on Facebook or whatever that are people you went to high school with, but you haven't seen them in 20 years. You haven't talked to them in 20 years. You live hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. The only representation that you have of this person or that they have of you is social media. They don't know you. They don't see you frazzled at the bank in your sweatpants because you don't put that shit on social media. You know who they are as far as they want to present themselves on social media and vice versa. And therefore, you know a simulation of that person, and they know a simulation of you. So already, right there, you are a simulation. Maybe not the person that you are making the post, but absolutely, you are an avatar. You are a character. You are a simulation if you are on social media. I'm not going to go down a crazy social media rabbit hole. I was merely trying to create a real life perspective so that maybe you can say to yourself, maybe this concept of simulation theory isn't totally batshit crazy. So again, because I know so many of you are probably still thinking, that Jeff's lost his goddamn mind. I will discuss with you the science behind simulation theory. This is not just some weird concept. And again, we will discuss this in the religion versus science episode, but the idea of believing in something that goes out of its way to ignore science, in my opinion, that's a little crazier than paying attention to stuff that has science attached. Now, you don't have to agree with the science, and a lot of science is theoretical. I understand that. Like I said, I'm intrigued by this idea. I thought that the movie, the documentary, A Glitch in the Matrix, connected with me in ways that I did not expect it to, to the point where I actually had to pause it multiple times because it was blowing my fucking mind, and I needed a break. 
I don't recall exactly how long the documentary is. I assume it's less than two hours, but I do know that it took me over three hours to get through it because of my need to walk away from it every once in a while because it was blowing my fucking mind. There are many very intelligent, successful people that agree with the idea of simulation theory or say it's got to be considered at least plausible. Not just possible, but plausible. Neil deGrasse Tyson, he likes to not comment on it too much because, again, it is a very theoretical idea. Theoretical with an O. See, theoretical makes sense with an O. Theory does not. But another proponent of the idea of simulation theory, and I believe he was part of a TED talk on simulation theory, is Elon Musk. All right, yes, I know many of you don't like Elon Musk. Boo, Elon Musk. I'm going to guess the majority of people who don't like Elon Musk are people who are Bitcoin investors, because I'm pretty sure from what I've heard, he's somewhat influenced the increase and the also horrible decreases of Bitcoin's value. I'll be honest, I don't know jack shit about Bitcoin or any other cyber currency. If I can't put it in my wallet or my bank, I'm just going to stay away from it. But that's also, I realize saying that out loud now, that sounds really stupid because when I put money in my bank, it becomes digital. It's not real money at that point. It's assets that the bank has. Yes, my money is technically insured by the government, however, only up to a certain dollar amount. So the money you put in the bank, it it is actually very digital. If there was a mass hijack of financial industry technology systems, you could lose all your debt. That'd be great. You could also lose all of your savings and your checkings. Not so great. So that was what we call a tangent. But I was just pointing out that we do have very successful and smart individuals that not only think that simulation theory is plausible, but many of them believe that we are living in a simulation. So let me finally get to what I was trying to tell you, which are the scientific reasonings behind the ideology and the philosophy of simulation theory. So, given that science exists, and it does, we know that it does, scientists believe that there are only three possible outcomes to define if a society is part of a simulation. The first possible outcome is that all human-like civilizations in the universe go extinct before they develop the technology capable to create simulated realities. We are already past that point. We have already created simulated realities. Video games, VR, social media, CGI-based movies. These are all simulated realities that we experience on a semi, if not regular basis. So we're definitely not part of the first group. The second group or second possible outcome would be if civilizations reach the phase of technological maturity, but they choose not to run simulations. So now you've gotten to the point where a civilization has achieved computers and chips and processors and stuff like that, but they decide that it's best not to look at AI, artificial intelligence, or things like video games, social media, Alexa. For those of you listening in your home, I probably just woke that bitch up. I'm sorry, but we know that we are a society that has now achieved the technological capability to create simulations and we have pursued them. 
which puts us in the third category by default, the only third possible outcome, which would be that advanced civilizations would have the ability to create many, many simulations, and that would mean that there are far more simulated worlds than there are non-simulated worlds. And the way they kind of explain this, or I, I remember hearing it from the documentary, is that imagine, you know, with all the different video games, and think about Sims, for example. Sims. The video game, which turned into an app, SimCity, Sim this, Sim that, blah, 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 or an app where you can be the Kardashians. Those are all simulations. You are simulating an experience. You are simulating a life. Even your dreams, are those real? Are you actually, if you fall off a cliff in your dreams, do you actually fall off a cliff? So that's a simulation. Or rather, at the very least, the experience of another level of existence and consciousness. And if you're able to experience another level of existence and consciousness every single night of your life, what's to say you're the outer layer of the onion? What's to say that the dream is the next layer? But when we live in a society that has so many simulations running right now that we're all a part of, be it social media, video gaming, VR, whatever... At what point in a world where there are millions and millions of simulations running and we know that the ability for simulations exist, and let's not forget, look at our current technology. We'll go to VR. We'll talk about VR, virtual reality specifically. And I am a big VR guy. I'm into VR. But it's getting to the point where it's almost indistinguishable between actual life and the simulation. You look at these movies that are being made where they're CGIing people who have died before they made the sequel, or Luke Skywalker is now young Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. Spoiler alert! Too late! And when that typically happens in movies, you can, I mean, I at least I can tell. I always know when it's a CGI person. I've also been with people that are like, oh, I didn't realize at all. that They did that very well. Maybe it's my background in graphic design. I don't know, but I there's something about the muscles in the face and the mouth. Those things have not quite gotten the kinks worked out on them yet from a CGI perspective. However, I believe we're not far away from that being worked out, at which point we won't be able to tell when you go to see a movie if you are seeing CGI or if you are seeing real life. My point being, just like VR, as the graphics progress and you're now immersed in this 3D world where you can feel like you can be on top of a building in VR looking over the edge, and if you're someone like me who's scared of heights, it's horrifying to have to look, even though you know you're standing in your living room, you're brain is deceiving you. We are getting to a point where it's going to be very difficult to tell the simulation from real life. So once we get to that point, which we're going to be at very soon, for those of you who are saying, Jeff, you're crazy. I know I'm not a video game character. I know this is not a simulation because I can tell the difference between real life and video games. For now, you can, but what happens when you can't tell the difference? Now, how do you know that you're not in the simulation? Again, I know this sounds kookaburra, but to me, from you know my recent years of exploring different ideologies and philosophies, it resonates. And I'm also the type of person that likes to live my life never feeling like I know 100% anything. You know, that's what irritates me a little bit with religion. We know 100% 
because this book tells us so. But again, we're not going to get into that on this episode. I will have more for you on that. Don't you worry. I mentioned my research into the existentialist movement. And again, it's more just being aware of your own consciousness, your own existence. And the way that it kind of ties together is the fact is, if we're in a simulation, do we really exist? Are we an extension of another consciousness? That sounds weird. I know. But I've long considered it possible that because of my own individual unique consciousness, when I die, from my perspective, everyone dies. My mom dies, my kids die, the world dies. Because I will never have a thought about them because my brain is dead. I will never experience them again because my body is in the ground or it is burned to ashes. I have it in my will that they shoot my body from a cannon directly into a brick wall. But I'm not sure if the laws of the United States will allow that to take place. I'm kidding. Of course it would be a steel wall. Duh. But really, if you think about it, we've all lived thousands of lives. I mean, just in dreams alone. If you look at dreams, I have very vivid dreams. I have died in my dreams. Well, can't say I've died, but I have undergone and underwent things that would have killed me in the physical world. I actually remember a dream not too long ago where someone was chasing me and trying to kill me. And I'm hiding in the corner of this dingy warehouse locker room. I don't know what it was. I don't feel safe necessarily, but I at least feel like I'm somewhat hidden. I get found by my attacker and he has a sword and he stabs me through my neck with his sword in the left side of my neck and out the right side. I did not die in that dream. However, I do remember that I found some kind of bandaging to hold on the right side of my neck and then I would have to hold my head to the left to pinch off the hole on the left side. It was very disturbing. Every time I would lift my head a little bit, blood would shoot out the left side of my neck. I've driven off cliffs. I've fallen after flying to great heights. My body in my subconscious has undergone what would kill me multiple times in my dreams, probably hundreds, if not thousands of times. And we're all fine going to sleep every night knowing we're going to live a slightly different existence and consciousness and even life. So just from dreams alone, we've lived thousands of lives. But you look especially at the younger generations with video games and simulations. Yes, just straight up simulations, not simulation theory. I'm talking just games, Minecraft, Call of Duty, shit like that. All of those are people sitting down and experiencing an alternate reality, an alternate life. And there's no fear of death in that situation. If your player dies, it sucks, but all you gotta do is hit restart. But that's also how my dreams are. I've never died in real life. I don't even know if it's possible. That sounds crazy, that sounds stupid, but I know that I have died in a variety of other simulations or what should have killed me, and I never died. So who's to say if I fell off a cliff in what I consider this reality that I would die? I don't know. I don't wanna find out. And again, I know this is very deep. Oh, yeah. But it's this stuff that like just kind of blew my mind and really gave me reason to 
be introspective and reflect on what they were talking about in this movie. I cannot do this movie justice in just my podcast. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I hope I'm not getting it wrong by saying it's on Hulu. Pretty sure that's where it is. It's called A Glitch in the Matrix. Believe it's less than two hours. Please just go check it out. I will tell you that the movie features people talking about simulation theory who are both religious and non-religious, but again, more of an arm of existential philosophy. So now that you all think I'm batshit crazy and said, Jeff, I'm never listening to an episode again until the next one, I still appreciate you tuning in and listening all the way to the end of my kookaburra batshit crazy podcast about simulation theory. Until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Jeff. Good night.